So wisely examine your own heart. Look at where your heart is sending a message to your feet to take you. The problem isn't just your your feet, it's the path that your heart has put you on because you're following your heart and you're not following Jesus. And that's the problem. The heart is deceitful, it's wicked, it lies to you. It tells you what you you want in life. It, It tries to convince you of something and unless it's checked by the word of God, you can end up somewhere that you really shouldn't be. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Lord, we thank you for this time, and and God, we thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you tell us uh, that you desire to give us wisdom through your word. So God, not just uh, the Ten Commandments and morality, but Lord, you want to speak to us. and give us tools for every day. And, and so, Lord, we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet. Uh, Lord, it's a guide for us. Uh, it lights up our path so we know which way to go. We know what to do. And so, uh, Lord, we pray for those that are seeking wisdom and have big decisions and a lot on their plate. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, bring clarity to us tonight. And, Lord, as we look at our own heart, um, having wisdom when it comes to our heart, uh, Lord, I pray that you would Speak to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Equip me, Lord. I know I, I'm not an expert to speak on this at all. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, use me now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, okay, Proverbs chapter 4. Um, John Wesley, he said, Oh, never give me over to my own heart's desires, nor let me follow my own imaginations which is extremely wise words, considering we live in a world that one of its mantras is to follow your heart. Uh, It's really a fun little Google search to type in follow your heart, stories about following your heart. And there's all these like inspirational stories about following your heart and the consequences of not following your heart and all these things. It's really interesting, but the Bible tells us something completely different and that is to watch out and to be careful when it comes to matters of the heart. And so we're going to look at what that doesn't mean. Uh, We're going to look at what it does mean. But um, we have been digging into the book of Proverbs, and we have learned that wisdom is a way of life. And also we have learned how to become wise. Those are the first two uh, studies that we've gone through. But tonight we're going to look at what Proverb has to say about the heart But first, he calls to us for our attention. Look what it says throughout the entirety of of this chapter is, hear my children. He says, give attention to no understanding. Uh, He says in verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding. Like, that's good advice. Uh, If you want wisdom, get it. (laughs) Um, He talks about, you see this over and over throughout the chapter, is this idea of giving your attention to the words that he's about to speak um, and the words that he's sharing to his son. It's like when my kids are watching TV and I need to tell them something important, I have to shut off the TV. I have to turn their eyes towards my face. I have to like listen to what I am saying. It's weird. My wife does the same thing to me. She like grabs me by the face, turns off the TV. And she's like, listen, um, you know, there's passive listening and there's like intention, like really intense listening. Like when I'm doing marriage counseling or if I'm doing any kind of counseling, usually I'm like pretty engaged in what's happening. Um, 
if my <laughs> other times, some of you have experienced my passive listening where I'm not listening to you at all, but I'm there. But uh, <laughs> what Solomon is saying is, I want you to turn off everything else. I want you to pay attention to look me in the eye is what he's saying. The Hebrew language doesn't have words for like very or finest. So if he's like, this is, this is very important. They don't have that word. Um, or if they're talking about something that's precious or the best, they don't say like the finest of it's repeated. The word is repeated. So, um, you remember in the Bible in Genesis where God created the heavens and the earth at the end of creation, he says it was good. It was very good what he had created. The translation is good, good. Maybe that's where we get, oh man. Is that where we get the whole good, good father thing? Oh, oh, I always wondered, like, why two goods? Um, but now it all makes sense. Zach's over there. I'm not talking to, like, a mouse in my pocket or something. Okay, so so we he would double the word. So he's, like, saying to us, pay attention, pay attention. Listen, listen. With this intensity of, like, grabbing our face and look me in the eye and listen to what I'm saying. And, and like a parent talking to a child who's giving very intense and like specific instructions for life. He says, listen to my words. So what Solomon is saying to us here is pay attention, pay attention. Although you are watching this on the most distracting um, piece of media in the world, Instagram, where you can chime in, chime out, pop in, pop out. You can leave a little comment. I think you're still here. I don't even know. You know, like we're just so distracted. Think about how distracted we are and how much, how many things like want our attention all day long and are like calling for our attention and, and, and all of these things. Like, um, it just, it's, it's bombarding us with trying to get our attention. Maybe even now your phone is, is buzzing and, and little notifications are coming up and it's like, Andrew's so weird or, or some other kind of weird notification or an email and you're like, oh, I gotta check that email. Um, but everything is like buying for our attention. And Solomon is saying, listen, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. And through the whole chapter, he's calling people to be attentive to his words. Hear me, turn towards me. He says, take hold of instruction. Don't let go of this. This is important. Pay attention. And when he says in that second verse, in verse 20, he says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. When he says to incline your ear, it means to open your ears, to be willing to learn. Be willing to learn what I'm about to say. And so not only is he appealing to our attention and our mind and being able to engage our mind in what he's saying, but opening our hearts to being able to learn from him, being rebuked by him perhaps, allowing ourselves to, to listen to what's being said and even to the point where we could be actually proven wrong is what he's actually saying. Be willing to be proven wrong. Be willing to learn what I'm about to say. And so the instruction that follows is this. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. And if you skip down to verse 23, it says, keep your heart with all diligence. And this is what we're going to hopefully unpack for a minute. This is the instruction. Keep your heart with all diligence. The Amplified Version, it says, watch over your heart. Or maybe your translation says, guard your heart with all diligence. The idea is to watch after it like a prison guard 
who would look after his own prisoner. Because it determines, in, in the New Living Translation, it says, because it determines the course of your life in the, the second part of that verse. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. New Living says, because it determines the course of life. It's the spring, it's the source. Therefore, if the source is poisoned, so will everything else be poisoned. And so he's, he's calling us to pay attention to our heart for a moment. But what does he mean by our heart? What does that actually mean? Does it mean, you know, the, the organ that pumps blood through my body? No, that's not what it means. And you're all smart people, so you probably knew that. But the word means the mind, the will, the understanding, the seat of all desire and the seat of emotion. Um, emotions and passions. This is what Solomon is saying. We need to listen. My favorite translation of that is our middle. <laughs> That's a good one. Our middle. So like be conscious of your middle. Um, every morning when my kids pat on my belly, I am conscious of my middle. But what he's saying is like the guts of who you are, like pay attention to not the outward, like not how great, you know, you're after quarantine body looks from all the push-ups that you've been doing, but pay attention to the soul, pay attention to the deep inner person of who you are, because that will affect the trajectory of your life and where you will end up. But first we want to describe what it doesn't mean to guard your heart and to, 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 you know, guard it like a prison guard. What it doesn't mean is that we isolate ourselves from other people and we don't have to be loving. And I was kind of bummed when I found that out. I was like, yes. And all the introverts were like, oh, you mean I can't just stay home and pet my cats? No, you can't. Like th this is not your proof text to be like, oh, I'm just guarding my heart, bro. And you're just a jerk to everyone. And that's not a proof text for you. Because as we've been learning, wisdom comes from community work. It's a community work. It's something that we do together. It's a group project, like a group project you had in school. Maybe you were the kid who had to do all the work while the rest of the group just kind of took it easy. Well, um, what it's saying to us is this is not a proof text for us to just push people away, keep people at arm's distance. It's not an excuse to have uh, you know, the gift of unhospitality. That's not what guarding our heart means. Well, what does it look like to keep watch over our heart then? What does it mean to, to really take care of it and to invest in it? After all, we're called as the body of Christ to be connected with the body of Christ. If you are a detached part of the body of Christ, you are an unhealthy part. Because you're not only detached from the body itself, the people, you're detached from the head, which is Jesus Christ. And so we're called to be around people. And, and what's interesting is that real intimacy and being able to, to have relationship, it calls us to be vulnerable with each other. That means you have to expose yourself to being potentially hurt, to being potentially hurt. And no one knows this more and the fear of that more or, or the reality of that more than Jesus himself who was cleft for me, who was cut for me, who made himself vulnerable for us, that he would be betrayed, he would be abandoned. I mean, talk about some community dysfunction. The guy was left by all of his friends to die. And so, listen, community comes with this other side of it, of blessing, and there's, there's joy, but there also, because we're human beings, there is potential for us to harm one another, although it is 
definitely not what we set out to do. It is a real thing that happens within the church because the church isn't perfect. But he's saying to guard ourselves. Number one, he makes us look at the source of it, but we're going to look at the outside influences that were to guard our heart from um, first. And that is in verse 20, it says, if you notice, there's a mention of ears and eyes and heart and flesh. And we're going to look at the ears first, what we hear. He says, incline your ear to my sayings or to my word. Ultimately, what we hear influences my mind, my heart, and my decision-making. And think of, uh, for a minute, a product jingle that you hear. Um, uh, what's one that I can think of right now? Um, Devil McGum. Double your pleasure, double your fun. That's the statement of the great myth. Double makeup, right? So when you go, to, <laughs> there's a point. When you go to buy a stick of gum, you're starting to think of all these little jingles and all these little marketing things that you've heard over time. Those little things stick in your mind. Um, even like plumbers that have radio ads, like you remember the radio ad because you're hearing it over and over. Think about how much we are wired to remember things by hearing. Now, this is my default as a, a human being. If I can hear it a few times, like I totally can remember it, especially when it comes to movie lines and things like that. But if I hear something, like I can totally remember it, unless it's something that my wife says, then magically, and for some reason, I can't remember. remember. But um, ultimately, we are programmed in our in our bodies and the way our bodies work is to audibly be able to memorize things. James talks about the power of words and how important words are. They can start wars. I mean, they're they're incredibly powerful, although they're small. And you think about someone's voice or someone who's speaking, they die and pass on, but their words live on through, through writ, uh, written words or spoken word that's left, you know, and recorded. The voice goes past and passes on, but words remain. And more than ever before, I think what we're realizing is that truth really matters. In a culture that says that truth is relative, it seems like nowadays it's pretty important. Like we're all wondering like what's true? What can I trust? What can I believe? I can't believe the news. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. Like who can I trust? In a culture that used to say truth doesn't really matter. It's whatever you make it. Suddenly there's a hard like line of like no. Truth is what is actually taking place. And what we're lied to constantly. And the point of all this is that we're lied to constantly by the enemy, by the devil. He tells you that no one loves you, no one cares about you. The reason they didn't return your text is because they don't really want to be your friend. Um, you know, you're too, you know, you fill in the blank, like you're too ugly or whatever. Um, <laughs> you, uh, there's a bunch that are going through my mind, but I probably shouldn't say them because this is recorded. So you, you are lied to constantly by the enemy. We may, at first, like you kind of shake it off. Like, where'd that thought come from? But pretty soon, like that commercial jingle, it becomes this little tune that you sing in your head. And suddenly it sounds differently because the lie is coming at you in your own voice. And what's happened is that lie has made its way into your ears, into your mind, and into your heart. And now it's coming from your own lips because you begin to believe that same lie. And this is why Solomon says, listen to my words. Words, listen to the truth of God's word. 
Romans 10, it says that faith comes by hearing. And you guys know the end of the verse, that hearing by the word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing. The, the thing I, that I, you know, just as reading that, the things that I hear become my belief system. And so I, I will have, and all of us have faith in something, even if I keep listening to the lie, it becomes what I believe. What you take into your ears, it becomes your belief system. And so we need to take in the truth. And Solomon is saying, listen to the truth. If you're like, what, what are some wise words? Listen to true things. Listen to true things. Paul says, set your mind on these things. Allow these things to flood your ears and your thoughts. Think on these things. Listen to these things because this is truth. This is truth. Because what you hear becomes what you believe over time. But he also says not only what you hear, but what you see. He says, do not let them depart from your eyes. So he's talking about those words. He says, my son, give attention to my words. Look at them. Pay attention. Listen. Not only listen to them, look at them. Look at what, I'm, what I've written down for you. Look at with, with your eyes uh, words of wisdom. And here it's like Solomon has taken his sons by the face and he's like, look, he like shoves the book in their face. And he's like, just read these things. Like keep these in front of your eyes. That's why he said, put it around your neck. Let it be ever before you. Keep these in the midst of your heart. Why? Because your eyes are the gateway to the soul. What we see is it passes images of life into my soul. It begins to build for me an appetite for something. Think about the images that we try and paint uh, or, or images that, that are painted for us by society, a reality through media and marketing. We're constantly being marketed to in order that we would think that we need something. And what it does is it creates a reality through this image that if I drink that beer, I won't get fat. You know, like <laughs> if there's ever like such thing as a healthy beer or whatever, like you'll have abs and women just like that. Like it's creating this reality that isn't true. But what it does through sight, through sound is it creates for me a reality that doesn't just stay within my head. Eventually it makes its way down into my soul and we begin to hunger and thirst for it. And so we, we need to be careful about what we put into our minds, what our eyes come across through media and marketing. You know, you think of like a sock ad that you're like, these socks will make you jump higher. There's no such thing as a sock that will make you jump higher. But there's these ads that make you think that this is how it's going to be. It creates a, in us a desire for it by what we see. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says, outlook determines outcome. And, and we have this Old Testament example of this. Abraham and Lot were traveling across the desert together. They were walking in faith together. I mean, Abraham took off in faith and Lot's like, I'm going with you. And he follows after. I mean, walking well together. But Abraham was the friend of God and walked by faith because he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11.10 tells us. Your vision determines your values, your actions, your plans. Lot looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he set up his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. He actually made it so that his morning balcony, as he went out to have his morning coffee, would be looking over the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He set his eyes towards it. So the next chapter, the next verses, 
we find him holding a position of leadership and power in the city because he set his eyes towards it. His family then loved it so much that when they were told to leave and that the city was going to be destroyed and God's not going to spare anyone except your family. And the angel told him specifically, don't look back. Don't look. I mean, don't look at it. Make sure that you, you just keep going. Don't look back as if you do, you will be judged as well. And we know the story of Lot's wife. She couldn't do it. She looked back because she looked at what she loved most and she was turning <clears throat> she was turned into a pillar of salt psalm 119:37 says turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things uh, i mean david just you think about the times that, that he went through of out in the desert and the wilderness and just like living amongst all of these dirty guys and he, he's supposed to be king and he's like, Lord, turn my eyes from, from what I want to see and just help me to focus on you and focus on what's in front of me because I don't want my outlook or, or what I'm looking at to determine my outcome. And so he's, he's looking towards the Lord. He says, Lord, teach me. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. The Bible tells us to look out for a double heart, a hard heart, a proud heart, an unbelieving heart a cold heart, and an unclean heart. And these things are all a lot of times determined based upon what I'm looking at, what I'm looking at. In verse 22, this kind of sounds like a teenage girl saying it, for they are life. Like these words, they're life for me or whatever, hashtag life. But what is he saying? <laughs> they are life to those who find them. It, what that word life is speaking of, it's we know that these words were not Solomon's words, were they? He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things down. These are God's words written through um, his servant Solomon. So we know this is God's word. He says, these words are life and they have life in them. The word life in the Hebrew is the word which means reviving of springtime, like if you're from you know our area when all the hills turn brown in the winter and we're like oh you know our valley's all brown and gross and it's like not that cute and then spring comes and then all the right now all the flowers are blooming and every time I I drive around with my kids I'm like kids look at the flowers super manly and um my kids don't care, but you know, like all the little mustard flowers and everything's blooming and everything's coming to life. Even the oceans like all red with life and teeming with life. And that's what that word means. It's coming back to life after spring. That which was dormant and dead and brown is not now has, has color and life within it again. And that's what he's saying that these words bring life to our bodies, to those who find them. And remember, we said that wisdom is attainable to those who will search for it, those who will look for it. It can be found. But he also says, and health to all their flesh. That word health is this idea of healing to the body itself. It brings peace, comfort, relaxation, and satisfaction are found in the words of, of, of Scripture. And it reminds me, of what Peter said when Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, where else can we go, Lord? Only you have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else we should go. There's nowhere else we want to go. 
Only your words bring life and healing. I mean, that's it. And so <laughs> these are the outside river inlets. If we're looking at this analogy of like a river as, as our heart being the source of this spring, this wellspring, these other inlets that are coming in can be through our eyes and through our ears. Um, and, and notice that it says it gives health to all flesh. I mean, it, it blesses us as we read God's word and things like that. But we got to be aware of what's coming in through our eyes, through our ears. Um, those are those outward influences. But then he says in verse 23, to keep your heart with all diligence. And the idea is to watch like a prison guard watching a prisoner. He knows what's going in and what's coming out. Why? Why are we to guard it like this? Why are we to be surrounding our heart and being careful what's being what's coming into it? Because the heart is also the source of our life. It's, it's the place in which the seats of emotion and decisions and all the things in our life are springing from this, this heart. And listen, our heart is evil by nature, regenerated and renewed by the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. But yet we still walk in fleshly bodies that desire the things of the world. And so we got to be aware of what's coming in and what effect that is having on the wellspring of my heart. Whatever the heart loves, the ears will hear. Whatever the heart loves, the eyes will see. It's the source. And if it's polluted, that infection will spread to everything. Maybe I shouldn't use the word infection or virus going viral at a time like this. It's insensitive. I apologize. But the source must be maintained. It's vital to take inventory of our heart. It has to be maintained. Right now, okay, uh, Seven or eight weeks ago, we planted a lawn in our backyard from seed. Now, I don't want to call it an obsession, um, but it has become an obsession of mine to seek to keep this thing alive. It is so hard. Um, my mind is constantly on the lawn and making sure that, like, did I edge too closely? Should I mow? Like, when's the best time to water? You should see all the things I'm Googling, like, like fertilizer choices and, you know, grass types, fescue, tall fescue, um, bluegrass, Kentucky bluegrass. Should I put in some rye? I mean, all these, uh, all these things just kind of heavy hearted for my lawn, but all of it takes maintenance. You have to keep it up. If you let it go, Things either die or they grow so so like out of control that it's unusable anymore. Um, and so maintenance is important. And you can, it's not like a one-time fix. The heart must be continually maintained. And we see that in the in David's writings when David said, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart, O God. See if there's any wicked way in me. And you think, David, man, that guy was a man after God's own heart. And I believe it's because he set his heart before the Lord and said, God, search me. There's so many things I don't know and so many things in my heart that I'm unaware of, lies that I've let in, that I'm believing. And because I'm believing them, it's affecting the way that I am living. Our heart is, is constantly under this need for maintenance. You know, people always say like, well, Jesus knows my heart. Yeah. And to quote my friend, Kevin, yeah, your heart is nasty. 
And like, you need Jesus to like, that's why you need Jesus. Cause your heart is nasty. And like, you need that to be revived and, and pulled. you know, you need the weeds pulled. You need all that stuff that's choking out life that you could bring in the, the reviving of spring and everything could bloom. And there could be beauty again, where there's been dead, nothing but dead, um, dead things inside where there's, there needs to be health, where there's been decay. And so the writer, like, like David said, like, where's my heart, Lord? Search it for me. Tell me, is there a wicked way in me? How do I know? Like, how do, what are evidences of a heart that's being polluted? Like, what are some, some tell, 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 what are some signs that my heart is dysfunctional? Well, he says, as it goes on, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Now, I don't understand what that means because if your eye, how do you move your eyelids um, side to side? But ponder, he says, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. How do I know or what is some of the evidence of a pollution in my own heart? Well, the first one he says is your mouth, your mouth. Matthew 12, 33, Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is coming out of your mouth? What, what is just right on the tip of your tongue? And when someone hits that topic, you're like, oh, and you just, just everything comes out and you're like, I can't stop. It's just, it's just words are coming out. Why? Because it's what's inside your heart. Or if you've ever had this problem where, where someone will bring something up and you come out with some quick thing that just shoots right out of your mouth and you're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said that. I can't believe I was that honest in front of all these people. What's really being revealed is your 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 heart just like came right out. Now everyone can see it. Peter was actually told after a little while when he was there at, at the fire warming himself as Jesus was on trial. It says, after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them. For your accent betrays you. Your speech betrays you. And the same is in the, in the life of the believer. Sometimes your mouth just betrays what you try and put out on Instagram and, and you know, whatever you, you know, verse you post. And then you start talking and people are like, oh, surely you are one of these because your accent betrays you. We can hear it in your words. So how do I know my, that my heart needs to be readjusted? Well, What's coming out of my mouth? Secondly, is my eyes. Look what he says. Uh, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Now, I've never been able to move my eyelids, so I'm not sure what he means by that. But he is saying your eyes need to look straight ahead, like keeping your eyes um, from going side to side. Like maybe you can keep your head straight and move your eyes. You're looking ahead or whatever. But you need to be conscious of where your eyes are taking you because honestly, that's what you love. That's what you love is where your eyes look and what your ears hear and you're drawn to and you're quick to. It's because your heart is actually taking you there. Not to say that there are times where you, you, know, you stumble upon something or something comes up, but your reaction is like, whoa, shouldn't look at that or whatever. But if you're, draw if you're seeking them out with your eyes, obviously it's a heart issue. We have to get to the heart of the matter is what we always say. It's a saying we always have because that's the source of it all. 
you can fix all the outward influences and, and everything, but if the heart is sick, if the flow, if the, the source is bad, then everything else will be. Jesus said, if, uh, oh, what is it? Where he talks about the eye. If your eye is bad, the whole body will be bad, right? It, it affects the whole thing because it's the source. And what you take in through your eyes actually affects the rest of your body. I think it's in the, in the um, Sermon on the Mount. That one just popped in my head, sorry. But also the path that you're on, the path that you're on, where are you going? Where are you headed? Solomon is saying, examine your life, ponder the path of your feet. It literally means to think about which way you are going. Think about where you're headed, what you're doing. Ponder your own life, examine your life, put it to the test and let all your ways be established. Do not turn, he says, from the right or to the left or remove your foot from evil. Continue to follow straight ahead. You know, the Bible tells us that where you're headed and where you're examining your life is so important. Look at what your actions, your thoughts, your vision, that's where, and look ahead because it's going to take you somewhere. You're going to end up somewhere that you don't necessarily want to be. So wisely examine your own heart. Look at where your heart is sending a message to your feet to take you. The problem isn't just your, your feet. It's the path that your heart has put you on because you're following your heart and you're not following Jesus. And that's the problem. The heart is deceitful. It's wicked. It lies to you. It tells you what you, what you want in life. And really, I don't know why I keep doing this. I keep doing a lot of bunny ears. What you want. I don't know. We keep... <laughs> It, it tries to convince you of something and unless it's checked by the word of God, you can end up somewhere that you really shouldn't be. But the last thing is this. The heart is also a throne. It's a throne. It's a place in which your allegiance, who you follow resides on the throne of your heart. So the question is in this, like as you're, told by Solomon to guard it, to take inventory of it, to maintain it wisely. Look at your own heart. Examine the words that are coming out of your mouth. Look at where your eyes are taking you. Look at the path that you're on and where you're ending up. And he says, listen, take inventory because what it is, it's a heart issue. And it's because of who is sitting on the throne of your heart. It's not Jesus at the moment. It's probably you. It's probably what you worship, yourself, your own dream, whatever. It's not wrong to have dreams, but listen, you know what it is by looking and examining your life. And that's what we need to do. That's what he wisely encourages us to do, to take inventory of our own heart, to stop for a minute and think, Lord, search me. Is there wickedness within me? Is there a lie that I'm believing that's been flooding my ears and it's made its way into my soul? And it's now it's the, the trajectory of my life is just not where it should be. Um <clears throat> crazy. That goes a lot faster than when there's a bunch of people in the room. It's weird. Or like, I feel like it just flies by like so quick. Um, probably because you guys aren't here, but, um, encourage you look at, you know, what's coming into your ears and what you're, you're seeing and just taking inventory of your own heart, doing heart maintenance is such a wise thing to do because it's such a, an important part. Look what, I mean, look what he said. It, for out of it springs the issues of life and what the New Living Translation says, it's, it brings 
it determines the course of your life. And that's why I think Solomon grabs us by the, by the, the face and he says, look, listen, pay attention, pay attention. And it's so easy to just kind of lull to sleep. The devil brings so many distractions and all of these things into, into our life. And we're so distracted that we just, we're not considering the spiritual uh, um, all the while taking care of, of the physical and, and things like that. And so um, I encourage you guys, man, take time this week, wherever you're going. Um, think about the path that you're on, where you're headed. What's your goal? What's your mission? Is, it, is Christ involved in it all? It, like, is he the goal? Or, or is he on the sideline? Hard in the sun.